You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Welcome, 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 my best ghoul friend. I'm TK, your spooky tour guide to the dark and mysterious past. And you are listening to For the Love of History, the podcast where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history. And in the month of October, spooky history. Because all this month, we are diving into the dark and mysterious side of history, my friend. Because For the Love of History is doing Halloween. And to get us started on our occulty dark history path, we have our first episode in this season. Season 4, which is the British Zombie Invasion. What? I know my little majesty of darkness. What could I possibly be talking about? So without further ado, grab your sharpest axe for head chopping and maybe a pitchfork, and let's get to it. Warren Percy is not some dude's name, like I first thought when I heard it. It is in fact the site of our zombie invasion. Kind of. Spoiler alert. Uh, Twas not a real zombie invasion, dear one. I know you are simply aghast right now, but trust me, this is all going to be way more interesting than real zombies. I double pinky promise. Warham Percy is a mysterious town for two reasons. One, because of our fake zombie friends that we're going to talk about later. And two, because it was abandoned and left in super great condition, like one of the best preserved medieval villages in Britain, which is good because now we know a lot more about medieval villages. So thank you, villagers, for disappearing mysteriously. (laughs) It was abandoned in the 16th century, but the church and a few ruined cottage foundations remain. And I swear British churches are stout because the church is like in pretty good shape. Ain't nothing bringing those things down. When archaeologists found out about this place and they got some monies to start digging around in the dirt, they were stoked. Digging up a medieval village? Sign me up, is what I'm sure that they said. So in the 1960s, these happy little archaeologists were digging away at the foundation of a house and they were just stoked out of their minds like, oh yeah, digging up things to discover more about the medieval ages. Whoop, whoop. When all of a sudden... That whoop whoop turned in 
to a what-what. What happened to these people's heads? Because in a mass grave, far away from the grave at the church, and under the foundation of a building, the remains, including seven adults, two women, and three small children, one being a toddler, were found. They had been buried in three pits some distance from the church, which was super-duper weird because they found bones in the church, but why were these bones seemingly hidden? Like I said, the human remains ranged from infants to elderly, and you didn't have to look that closely to see that their heads had been chopped off and their limbs removed and the weird scary cherry on top, they also had been burned. Archaeologists were baffled and they would have to stay stumped for quite some time because apparently there was only so much digging money in the budget because even though these bodies were found in the 1960s, they wouldn't be studied until 2016. But even without in-depth research, it was clear that these bodies had the telltale signs of being a ritual burial to make sure these bodies didn't rise from the dead. You're telling me that medieval people believed that zombies were just rising from the dead and it was so prevalent that they had established rituals to prevent zombies from eating all the people? Yeah, yep, <laughs> that is exactly what I'm telling you, my spooky little ghoul friend. These undead corpses weren't called zombies at the time, but rather revenants, which in my opinion is way cooler and also scarier. Because... Revenants, excuse me, if you ask me, which I would rather have chase me in a movie, I would 1000% rather escape a zombie than a revenant because they sound terrifying. And they, in fact, are. So what are these revenant things anyways? Basically, revenants are smart zombies with a little vampire mixed in and they don't decay. They seek revenge and they murder people because revenants are rude. The less mean ones play tricks on people, and they just generally ruin people's days, which is like a total bummer. But there are also revenants that are far, far worse. Legends of revenants were all over Europe, and people wrote about them all the time. People told tales of local revenants, priests wrote about them, academics and medical professionals were fascinated by these malevolent undead thingies that were seemingly a plague on Europe. One of the best sources of revenant stories comes from the historian, historian, historian William of Newburgh. His book, The History of English Affairs, is full of detailed accounts of revenants. William once said, Were I to write down all the instances of this kind which I have ascertained to have befallen in our times, the undertaking would be beyond measure laborious and troublesome. Translation into modern language. There was a ton of stories about revenants, and I just could not write them down. That's what William said. <laughs> 
One of the most well-known Revenant stories from our friend Willie is about a man from York. This dude had been real bad and ran away from his home city so he wouldn't be punished for the crimes that he had committed there. He found a new place to live and married a lady, but he was still a terrible person and also really jealous because he kept thinking that his wife was cheating on him. Now, I don't know if she was cheating on him, but instead of asking her, hey, honey, you sleeping with someone, he hid in the rafters of their house to spy on her, but he fell and got stuck in the rafters and then ended up dying. He was buried at the church, but soon people were seeing him all over town. And I'll let our friend Willie tell the rest of the story. A Christian burial indeed he received, though unworthy of it. But it did not much benefit him, for issuing by the handiwork of Satan from his grave at night, and pursued by a pack of dogs with horrible barkings, he wandered through the courts and around the houses while all men made fast their doors and did not dare to go abroad on any errand whatever for the beginning of the night until the sunrise for fear of meeting and being beaten black and blue by this vagrant monster. But this revenant didn't stop there. Its nighttime shenanigans became more and more frequent, and the violence it inflicted on the community grew until finally beatings turned to murder. Night after night, this vile creature would rise from the ground and take another victim from the village. And as we talked about before, Stories like this were not rare in the 11th to the 13th centuries. People were in an absolute panic. So what could they do to stop these ground gremlins from coming up and ruining people's days and killing people? How could they release themselves from the deadly grip of the revenants? Let us go back for a moment, shall we, to the dismembered, decapitated, and burned remains found in the unmarked graves at Warham Percy. They included seven adults, two women, three small children, one being a toddler, and they were all treated in the same manner. And when the bones were initially found in 1960, there was much speculation as to why they were found in the foundation of the house away from the church, and in such a terrible state. And for reasons I could not find, research on the remains didn't take place until 2016. I assume it had something to do with a lack of funding. But the lack of research didn't stop people from making hypotheses and speculation about the bones and why they were found like that. The general consensus was that they couldn't possibly be evidence of ritualistic burials to keep the dead, you know, dead. The leading theories were, one, 
It was a burial place for outsiders who had wandered into town and died, which, rude, why would you uh, do that to strangers? Warham Percy villagers. <clears throat> rude. Anyways, number two, the villagers of Warham Percy had turned to cannibalism. Whoa, 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 whoa. TK. Cannibalism? Oh, yeah, friend. Some people were ready to hop on to the cannibalism train before they would even consider ritualistic burial for the prevention of revenants. But thankfully, science and new archaeology practices came to the rescue. The first theory was debunked by Professor Alistair Pike of the University of Southampton. He did some isotopic analysis on the teeth of the corpses, which through the brilliance of science showed that they did grow up locally. Bam! Mr. Alistair said that the isotopes in the teeth matched the local geology, which I don't know what that means, so hold on one second, I'm going to figure it out. Okay, I'm back, and I know what it means now. So, an isotope is basically a different version of the same element or atom, okay? Okay. So, apparently, science people have the ability to look at organic and inorganic materials and see what isotopes are in them and then match them to different things. Like in this case, our friend Alistair took the oxygen isotopes from the remains and saw if they had the same oxygen isotopes as the area of Warham Percy. And they can do that because apparently science people have oxygen isotope maps for the whole world. The whole world. What the heck? I have two questions. Who did this and how was it done? But that is not a question that can be answered today. Or those are not questions that can be answered today. So we will digress. Back to history, my friend. Our friend Alistair, through the awesomeness of science, found out that the isotopes from the remains matched the isotopes in the village. So that means that the individuals who were mutilated grew up close to where they were buried, probably in the village of Warham Percy itself. So the stranger hypothesis was Audi 5000. Okay, then they must have been cannibals, right, TK? Oh, my precious little pumpkin. I thought the same, and so did many other people. In fact, it was a super big rumor for quite some time until the bones were examined more closely. Between the years of 1066 CE and 1300 CE, at least 10 large-scale famines were recorded in England, and cannibalism has happened in Europe for, like, a long time. So it's a reasonable enough assumption, but the problem is that the cut marks on the bones are in the head and neck areas, and not in the joint areas where there are big muscle attachments, which is what you would usually see in cases of bodies being cut up for food, which leaves the last hypothesis standing. These were the bodies of supposed revenants. Okay, not like actual real-life revenants, but 
ritualistic burial of people to prevent them from becoming revenants. So to end our episode today, let's circle back to the age-old question, how does one stop a revenant? If the body of the recently deceased has become an awful nuisance and just won't stop strolling around, harassing, murdering, and causing general anarchy in the village, one must unearth the corpse, chop off their head, burn the body, and for good measure, stab it through the heart with a stake before reburying it. If those steps are completed, your village will be free of revenants. Well, 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 my beautiful little bat, we have come to our final thought today. One that we talked about in Instagram a little bit. Um, and I totally found the answer to why are skeletons in like all of medieval art. We got some lovely suggestions on Instagram and I consulted my dear sweet friend Google and found out that it was totally because of the idea of momenta mori, which means, remember, you must die. And in the beginning of the Middle Ages, people were just like super down with the idea of death. And they were like, yes, we love it just because we're super firm in our idea of Christianity, in the afterlife, in things that are like prosperous. So we're like down with death. It's fine. Because things are really prosperous at this time and we all have enough to eat and the population is growing. Everybody has work. We're freaking on cloud nine. Everything is great. Death, she's our bestie. So people were obsessed with death, but in like a positive and fun kind of way where they would paint. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Where they would paint skeletons like having a good time and dancing with you because it's a reminder that you must die, but we're we're not going to be sad about it. We're going to embrace it. It's going to be great. But in the latter half of the Middle Ages, around like 13, 14th century, a bunch of terrible shiznit went down. There was a bunch of famine, a lot of war, super weird, like, terrible droughts, and, like, 25 million people died in the span of, like, six years because of plagues. And that'll 110,000% make anybody real bummed out. So people's relationship with the idea of momentum mori totally changed. So instead of having, like, happy skeletons dancing with you, the art turned into, I'm gonna eat your face off, terrifying skeletons with even more terrible anatomy because have you seen those skeletons like they're pelvic bones they're just wacky this is wacky pelvic bones (laughs) so there was just a general air of not good feelings and anxiety and a fear of death because things were going so badly The idea of momentum mori was still there, but instead of being like, this is okay, we're all going to die, it's not a big deal, the general sentiment was, oh no, this is terrible, life is terrible, and then you die. So that's what I found out about why there are so many skeletons in medieval, aka Middle Ages, artwork. Mm, The more you know, friend, the more you know. 
Okie dokie, my sweet little ghoul friend. That is all she wrote for today. I hope you enjoyed our very first episode of season four. I'm so happy to be back. I'm like sitting here at my desk looking at the plant that I usually talk to and pretend that it's you so I don't feel crazy talking into the void. (laughs) And I'm just so excited. Oh, I'm happy to be back. So just a few announcements before we uh, get going. There is an update on Patreon. So as of today, the first Sleepy History episode is out and ready for your ear holes. I'll be telling you some relaxing history to help you drift off into dreamland. So if you're interested in that, please head on over to Patreon. But that's not the only fun thing happening on Patreon this month. Starting next week, patrons will get to vote on our Patreon-only bonus episode. My goal for the season is to be way more active on Patreon. So if you'd like to support the podcast by becoming a patron, there is a link in the show notes. But absolutely no pressure on that. There are a ton of ways to support for the love of history, like sharing this episode with a friend or on your social media, leaving a rating and review because we're still trying to get to that 100 ratings and review by the end of the season. I feel it in my nuggets. I feel like we're going to be able to do it. And finally, one of my favorite ways that you can support For the Love of History is by just sending me a message, letting me know what you think of this or any other episode. If you have a suggestion, love it. If you want to tell me about this cool history thing that you found out the other day, fantastic. If you want to recommend a documentary to me or a a book or literally anything, send me a message. I love hearing from you. And before we say goodbye... You thought I forgot, didn't you? I would never forget to tell you to drink your water, take good care of yourself, do something that makes you happy, and have an absolutely spooktacular rest of your day. And I will talk to you next week when we learn about witches from around the world. Okay, bye! Why is there a metronome right now? Oh, okay. All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts.